Now what? I say, what's the big idea bashing me on the noggin with a rolling pin? Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live from my parents' house in Wayne, Pennsylvania. It is the week between Christmas and New Year's as we are recording this right now. So I'm not in the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame, but I am talking with great friend of the podcast, Mr. Eric Mertens, Mr. Minor League Baseball himself, Eric Mertens of the (laughs) Tri-Cities Dust Devils. How are you doing? Paul Caputo, it's so good to be back with you. I'm doing great. Um, This is like the second time we've recorded uh, for this podcast around Christmas time. And I feel like it's part of my annual traditions now. I did something just now that I that I, uh, I I apologize for. I very often I don't know why I can't get this straight. I very often call your team the Tri Cities Dust Devils instead of the Tri City Dust Devils. You were very gracious not to correct me, but I apologize. It's the Tri City. I know. I'm sure you did. You must hear it all the time. It is yeah. the Tri City Dust Devils, and yeah. I noticed it as soon as I said it. Like I said it, I was like, oh, I just said that wrong, and yeah. so I apologize for that. You are okay. you are. Full time now. After just twenty short years with the team, they they promoted you to full time with <laughs> the Tri City Dust Devils. <laughs> you it's finally been a made long it. road. This this episode, as you say, it is something of a holiday tradition. It was two years ago that we recorded one of the very first episodes of this podcast about your Dust Devils, but we haven't really, and and I haven't really even done this uh, for. For any team yet, I've never done an episode just on alternate identities before, but you all have some some great ones in the in the Vineros, uh, which I think we touched on briefly. They were around two yeah. years ago when we when we did this episode, right. but we've never talked about the Rooster Tails, and so let we I want to talk about both of those. But I also before we get started on that, uh, you know, because this is you know you're you're a personality in the world of minor league baseball. You are. Uh, uh, nice a bona fide celebrity. Yeah. Tell me about this transition to a, a full time role with the with the team after all these years. It's a dream come true. It really is a dream come true. I, yeah, I've worked with the team for twenty three years, going on twenty four now as the on field host, so kind of just a game day employee. Um, but ever since COVID hit, like in twenty twenty, you know, people started reevaluating what they're doing with their lives. Um, I just got more and more and more into uh, minor league baseball and wanting to work full time in in this field. And so um, I've been meeting with the front office leadership for the Dust Devils over the years, seeing if it could be a possibility, seeing how the timing is. And I'm so grateful it finally worked out. Um, I'm the official first time ever position for the Dust Devils, the fan experience and community relations manager. And I get to show up every day, sipping my morning coffee, doing my morning <laughs> prayers, and immediately start thinking about all the fun things in minor league baseball. Well, what an amazing way to live your life. And anyone who has ever been to a Tri-City Dust Devils game knows that they are greeted by a life-size bobblehead of one <laughs> Eric Mertens. I will say I, I will say it was it was a uh, a disappointment. It was devastating to the baseball Palooza crew. You knew we were going to talk about this. Yes, we 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 planned early on our Pacific Northwest journey, which took us to Vancouver. Uh, it took us to Pasco, Washington, home of the Tri City Dust Devils, and uh, we went to Hillsboro and we went to Tacoma as well. 
and I had been talking up Eric Mertens to the whole gang God for, you. you know, for, for once we had the plan in place and sadly for us and sadly for you at the time, you yeah. were sidelined by COVID. Mm-hmm. It gotcha. And so we, we missed out on getting to see you at a game. Your lovely now wife, Karina was there mm-hmm. to to meet us in your stead, and she had gifts for the whole gang, and they rolled out the red carpet for us. And oh, good! It was still, you know, it was still a a great experience, and obviously, a Dust Devils game is so much fun. Uh, but I will I will say it was it was very disappointing for me. I was so sad that that COVID got you, and you couldn't be with us there at that game. The me timing too. was such such a shame. So anyway, so I, I'm not you. trying to make you feel bad about that. We, you know, we. No, I already do. Bad. You can't make me feel worse. <laughs> I, well, I, I was seriously in the 23 years of working for the Dust Devils, I have very, very few regrets. Like very few moments stand out as sad or negative. I mean, I've been so blessed. It's it's all grace and it's all good things, but on that very short list of regrets is missing the baseball palooza guys. Because I got freaking COVID like a few days before you're supposed to be here. I was even trying to imagine like, okay, could I come in my car and like <laughs> wave at them with the window rolled up? Could I, what can we do? Yeah. But man. And so shout out to the baseball palooza guys. I miss you. I hope I can meet up with them sometime, you know, meet up with you on the trip some year, maybe my travels and your travels align, but. I think that that is destined to happen someday. And I hope so, so. We still had a great, I mean, I should say get to Pasco, Washington to see a Tri-City Dust Devils game right there on the Columbia River, unbelievably yeah. gorgeous part of the country. Let's talk about the Thank Columbia you. River, right? Because Let's do this, it. Is, this is one of the alternate brands that we were going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. The Columbia River, so it's not the Tri-City, it's not Pasco, it's the Columbia River Rooster Tails. And this is a yes. brand that was created by Brandios. Uh, and so yeah. we'll be talking to them later on in this episode. You just held up the cap. It's an awesome cap. Thanks. And it's it, an audio medium, I understand. But I'm a visual learner, so I'm going to hold up the cap. You know what? I think it's okay. I think I think the acknowledging that you're holding the cap, people can visualize it. We're, we're painting yeah. a word picture here. So the uh, the Rooster Tails, such a, such a, a cool brand. One of these ones that, you know, some... Some of these minor league baseball brands, like they tell a story about a place that's pretty self-evident, right? Mm-hmm. Some of these brands tell a story about a place that requires a, a more in-depth explanation, right? This Rooster Tail brand, I don't think is one of them to people who are not familiar with, you know, essentially like motorized vehicle sports on the Columbia <laughs> River, especially this one very specific one. You and I got to talk about this. I wrote for sportslogos.net about it. You and I got to right. chat back then. I quoted you in that article. Yeah. I loved the explanation. What is a rooster tail? What does it have to do with the Columbia River and Pasco, Washington in specific? This is so good. I'm, and I'm glad we're talking about these two alternate identities. I love alternate identities. Um, and some are kind of fun, um, but, uh, you know, ours are fun as well, I, I think, I hope. And they also go really, really deep into our history and culture of the Tri-Cities region. So honestly, either the Vineros or the Rooster Tails could be our primary identity very easily mm-hmm. because the folks in this area in eastern Washington 
know what they are and they love them. And when you're walking around town, I'm starting to see more rooster tails and Vinero's hats than actual dust devils hats hmm. around town. And, you know, that might be because, you know, that might be because it's the new and fun thing, you know, but um, <clears throat> so I moved here in the, tri I moved to the Tri-Cities from Idaho Falls uh, when I was six years old. And this is the late eighties. And I remember a few months after that, we went back home uh, to the to Idaho Falls or our old home anyway, mm -hmm. to see some friends. I think we were picking up some more of our stuff. I don't really remember. I was pretty young, but I remember seeing one of my old friends in Idaho and he was asking me, you know, hey, you've lived in the Tri-Cities now for, I don't know what it was, nine, 10 months. How do you like it? What What is it like? And so I was telling him I like it. And there's a big river and it's pretty sunny, which in a lot of ways is kind of similar to Idaho Falls. Um, but he said, well, what's like the one big thing that the Tri-Cities is known for? And again, we were young kids, so what probably wasn't this articulate of a conversation. But I remember telling him, hey, I've lived here for about a year now, a little less than a year. And one weekend of the year, they have these big hydroplane races, these big boat races on the Columbia River. And hundreds of thousands of people come and line the shores of the Columbia River. And it's the biggest thing in the world for the Tri-Cities. So that's one of my very first memories of moving here about the culture, about, um, you know, about celebrations in town. And so this is what it is. The best way I can explain what the hydroplanes are, what a rooster tail is, is imagine NASCAR on the water. So just like NASCAR has a circuit of races, you know, they, they have a circuit and they'll be in Daytona, then they'll be in Indy and then all these other places. Um, there is a, a racing organization, a league called H1 Unlimited Hydroplane Racing. And it's just like NASCAR on the water. And this next year, the circuit starts in Alabama, goes to Indiana. Then it comes here to the Tri-Cities, then Seattle, shoots back to Detroit, then San Diego. And for the first time, I think they're doing a race up in Canada, up in British Columbia. So they go all over the United States and then some. And um, we're one of the stops on that, on that circuit. We're actually known as the fastest um waterway because they'll they'll race these boats on lakes on rivers um in seafair they do it on lake washington by seattle um but the columbia river um, and i just learned this yesterday too you know the columbia river is this huge huge waterway in the west and there's different dams along the river they actually control the level of water on this stretch of the Columbia that goes through the Tri-Cities for the races because they need to raise the waterway up a little bit. Um, and so hydroplane racing has been going on in the Tri-Cities since 1966. So almost 60 years. And um, it's it started out as the Atomic Cup because of the Hanford uh, nuclear site out here, which is a huge part of the Tri-Cities history. Um, but it got to be known as the Columbia Cup. Um, and so you might be tracking this story and thinking, okay, that's cool. Where the hell does a rooster come into this story? <laughs> that's where and I that, was. I, yeah. That's where I was. I was just like, uh, I'm still, I'm still, the first time we had this conversation, like I was still looking for the yeah. rooster in this. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see the logo um, on our hats and uniforms, the Columbia River Rooster Tails, you'll see a hydroplane and a hydroplane is basically a boat that's built like a plane to skim across the top of the water. They go, you know, 200 miles an hour hmm. um, on the Columbia 
which is the fastest um, stop on the circuit, they will go up to 200 miles an hour, which means they will span, they will they will go the span of a football field in less than a second. Holy That's, smokes. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. And it, they have 3,000 horsepower turbine engines. Hmm. I mean, this is it's not just like a cute little boat race. I mean, this mm-hmm. is like a, a sensory experience. The sound's mm-hmm. so loud. You can hear the turbine engines from the Columbia River all over the Tri-Cities, throughout the hills, throughout downtowns. I mean, you hear it when they're here. So because they go so fast and because they skim along the top of the water, just the physics of it all, these boats shoot out this huge plume of water behind them in their wake. And um, it's 300 feet long and over 60 feet high. And so if you're watching the races from up on the hills or from far away, all you will see are these plumes of water. You won't even see the little boats. And it's incredible visual. But those plumes of water are called rooster tails because they kind of make this big arced shape kind of like a big plume of feathers behind a rooster. And uh, so if you're into hydroplane racing, if you live in any of those stops around the country and you go to these H1 unlimited hydroplane races, you know what a rooster tail is. And to this fact, I'll wear this hat all around the Tri-Cities. Everyone loves it. If they don't know <laughs> what it is, they'll recognize the boat and the rooster tail. Mm-hmm. But I'll also wear it in Seattle because they have a, a stop on the hydroplane circuit too. And everyone in Seattle immediately knows what this is. So this hydroplane circuit actually also does stop. What is it like in Puget Sound? Like where where does that one go? They um so Seattle is situated between the Puget Sound and Lake uh, Lake Washington. Mm-hmm. This little isthmus, this little strip of land. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't isthmus a word that you brought up in a podcast recently? It was. We were we were <laughs> talking. <laughs> I knew it. It was. It's the little stretch of land that existed. Uh, that exists in the logo for the Madison Mallards uh, because they, yeah, the Madison Mallards. There's a there are two lakes, but their yeah. logo actually has uh, Maynard the Ballard actually standing with his foot in one of the lakes and like That's and then right. and they use them to sort of orient the direction that the that the Mallard was facing because they wanted to focus on the Northern part of the town. So, so yes, that's awesome. It's miss is a word that I know it's because miss. of the Madison Mallards. And it's the only word that rhymes with Christmas, <laughs> which I also learned, which is very appropriate for today. Um, uh, sure is but, today recording. I don't often reveal this. Yeah. We're recording on December 27. It's two days after Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, so Seattle like Madison is located on an isthmus. But the races take place on Lake Washington, which is the other side. Of okay. Seattle. Yeah. Okay. The rooster tail. I mean, I love this explanation. The actual, like, sort of almost like nerdy looking rooster, right? Like he's a little bit nerdy because his goggles look a little bit like glasses, and yeah, yeah. So, but but he's <laughs> meant he's sort of he's got that brandiose grimace, and like I said, we'll be talking with Jason Klein. I I love what brandiose did with that i wanted to mention too though like i mean i mean it seems sort of obvious that you said that the team went with columbia river rather than pasco or tri-city or whatever but the columbia river you know is obviously super important to this area i will say we drove along the columbia river when we went from the dust devils to hillsborough because uh, oh you went through the gorge the columbia we did gorge. we went right oh. through the gorge we just followed the river right along the the northern border of Oregon uh, on the and the southern border of Washington, incredibly beautiful part of the country. The the Columbia River forms in the Canadian Rockies, comes mm-hmm. down through the state of Washington, 
and then essentially right through the Tri-City area and then along yep. the the Oregon border out to the Pacific Ocean. Huge, wide river. Yeah. I once said to um, uh, a friend from Missouri, they were talking about some mountain in Missouri, and I was just like, I feel like, you know, as a person who currently lives in Colorado, when you say, you know, when you're talking about a mountain in Missouri that you should have to use finger quotes. <laughs> and they said to me, they were like, okay, but... Yeah. You in Colorado, when you talk about rivers, you should also use finger quotes. The Columbia <laughs> River made me feel this way, right? Like it was like, okay, yeah. this is what a real river actually looks like. This is, yes. you know, it's it's an enormous body of water, Huge. right? And so, just so like so beautiful, just from a purely sort of scenic perspective, but important to to the region. So, can you? Yeah. Um, I'll just ask you about that. Like, what what does the Columbia River mean to you as a resident of that area? I'm so glad you asked this because yesterday I was driving uh, with my wife, Karina, and her dad, uh, Carlos, my awesome father-in-law. We went to go visit some of their family um, up in the Yakima Valley, about halfway between here and Yakima, Washington, along the Yakima River. Okay. And Home of the Pippins. She, that's right. Yakima Valley Pippins. Go Pips. Um, <laughs> try to go to one of those games every year. I love it. Um, but he is one of the smartest guys I know. He was one of the first Mexican-American um, engineers to work at the Hanford nuclear site. And he is currently a docent or a tour guide for the B reactor, which is the world's first large-scale nuclear reactor, which was built out here in the Hanford site, which is just north of the Tri-Cities. Um, and is really the reason why the Tri-Cities is here. Because these three little cities, Pasco, Richland, and Kennewick, were three farm towns in eastern Washington trying to make it through the dust bowl out here in the desert. But during the Manhattan Project, the Hanford nuclear site was built as part of the whole thing. If you've seen Oppenheimer, uh, we were one other um, nuclear site out here. And I have not yet. I've not seen Oppenheimer and I've not I seen Barbie. Uh, oh, no, well, this sounds like something that you could do in a day and really have your emotions twisted around. I really, I want to do the Barbenheimer thing at some point here. And I just yeah. haven't, you know, haven't had a full yeah. day to do it. Well, if you ever do watch Oppenheimer, it it, it shows obviously that the site in New Mexico near Santa Fe, but um, the Hanford nuclear site north of the Tri-Cities was a huge part of this. So I know I'm kind of steering away from your question, but it'll make sense. Anyway, anyway. We're learning so, the history of America one baseball logo at a time. That's right. Well, and that's why the minor league baseball team in the Tri-Cities um, back in the 50s and 60s was called the Tri-City Adams. Oh, and Cal Ripken Sr. managed the Tri-City Adams. And there's no a famous fomo photo, famous photo of Cal Ripken Jr. as a little kid standing next to his dad at the ballpark in Kennewick, Washington, wearing Tri-City Adams stuff. But I love this. Um, yeah. So anyway, okay. So my my father-in-law Carlos gives tours of this historic site. And part of the tour is about the geological history of this area and why when you think of Washington in the Northwest, you mountains and thick pine tree forests and greenery. Then if you look at a map, especially a topographical map of Washington, you just see this huge swath of high desert cut through these mountains. Like what the heck? Well, he was telling me the history and I knew a little bit of it, but he, he's amazing at this stuff. goes back to the ice age. <laughs> so we're going way back. Um, <laughs> there was a, you might've heard of Lake Missoula. So here's an, another connection with another ball. Sure. Ball go paddleheads. Go paddleheads. Um, lake Missoula was this huge lake that was formed because of all these ice dams that were around um, 
where Washington, Idaho, and Montana kind of connect here. Um, and it, he said that Lake Missoula almost covered half of Montana, like the western half, which you can imagine is huge. It had more water. He said three to four times more water than the Great Lakes currently have. Wow. In this, I mean, it's humongous, right? And so during the Ice Age, when the temperature would fluctuate, the ice dams would break or melt away. And all of a sudden, you would have this inland tsunami coming from inland racing to the ocean. And he said it was over 400 feet tall wall of water traveling 60 miles an hour. Wow. Just gushing through these mountains and forests that do kind of make up this area and just destroying them and cutting right through. And so if you drive around Eastern Washington, if you go through the Columbia River Gorge, which between Washington and Oregon, which you drove along um, on your way to Hillsboro, you will see the effects of this humongous, like mind boggling inland flood. But this is the best part that happened more than once because then things would freeze up again and then yeah. the, the ice dams would break again. So time after time after time over thousands of years, this part of the country was was carved out of the mountains and so that's why if you look at a map you see this huge river now it's the remnant of this lake missoula and um, the columbia river is the main tributary but here in the tri-cities we have the snake river which goes mm -hmm. through southern idaho and the yakima river which comes from the cascade mountains through yakima and they all meet up right here in the tri-cities so a lot of things around here are called the three rivers like our mm. convention center it's not called the tri-cities convention center it's called the three rivers convention center we have a lot of true a lot of threes around here tri-cities three rivers um and so this actually ties in with our other alternate identity the vineros i thought you were going to say the tres leches oh my gosh what a deep cut <laughs> that is a, deep, a deep cut, cut. <laughs> that's from two years ago we were you gotta yep, go back was... and listen to that episode. <laughs> okay, the Vineros, another great uh, alternate brand that we touched on the first time we chatted, but you know it's had some time to sort of settle in. You yeah. now have you have several alternate identities, and so you've got this Vineros one. How is that one being perceived and 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 embraced as part of a sort of permanent fixture in the in the team's identity? Yeah. Well, first off, these colors are fun. The Copa. The Copa colors are always bright and fun. So, the, you know, the Dust Devils colors are pretty dark. It's navy and like this khaki, which represents the desert hills around here. Um, so to have a bright pop of purple and neon green is really fun to have. And in fact, I think this is the first time it's being announced. Everyone uh, stay tuned for an updated Vineros hat this coming year. No kidding. That so is speaking, breaking news. That's very exciting. Yeah. Speaking of fun colors. All right. Um, yeah, it's still Vineros, but it'll be a kind of a, a refresh of the hat. So okay. that'll be fun. Um, so if we remember back to the history of how the Columbia River was formed and the Ice Age floods, <laughs> I feel like I'm a history teacher now. Um, it's still a desert. This place is the high desert of the inland Northwest. And so it wasn't until the 1910s, 1920s, around there, that irrigation kind of showed up in the area. And remember, these were the Tri-Cities were three pretty small farm towns and it was a rough living to trying to farm out here in the desert. But because of those ice age floods, we have surprisingly fertile soil here because all of that sediment from Lake Missoula carving through Montana, Idaho, uh, Northeastern Washington came down and settled here. And remember that flood happened time and time again. So we have layers upon layers of very fertile soil here. Hmm. 
but but the water was the water was the interesting part because it's the desert so so anyway when the irrigation showed up now all of a sudden you have vineyards and orchards start cropping up around here and if you drive which you might have done on baseball palooza if you drive between yakima and the tri-cities it looks like you're in the hills of italy with how many vineyards and orchards there are now it's gorgeous hmm. so here you are in the desert but you see all these green green fields of vineyards and orchards and you know if you ever bite into an apple there'll probably be a sticker on it that says from yakima or the yakima valley mm -hmm. and if you drink wine and if it's not from california it's probably from the columbia valley of washington state we are the second largest wine producing state in the country um, mm -hmm. and the fastest growing so anyway back to the history uh, about <laughs> after after world war ii migrant workers from from northern mexico and texas started kind of following the crops through the seasons and so you would start you would start with the cotton and other crops down in texas and then when it got warmer you'd move up north follow the harvest in the central valley of california and then you go up to oregon and they have you know their their crops there well washington is about as far north as you can get um in in the states anyway and so these migrant workers would follow and now the columbia valley and the yakima valley had irrigation so we had tons of things to to harvest and so migrant workers mexican american migrant workers became a huge part of our industry here of our culture um i love living back home in the tri-cities now because certain parts of towns all the signs are in spanish and um we have a lot of rich diversity and colors and flavors and and music here in the tri-cities so when it was time to come up with a copa identity not only is vineros celebrating the Mexican-American and Latino cultures in the Tri-Cities, but it really represents our history and our industry and the reason why we are one of the world's leading um, wine producing areas, we have tons of AVAs, American viticulture areas here, um, is because of these migrant workers who are keeping this industry alive. I love how the 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 stories of these two uh, these two alternate identities, which seem really super disparate from one another, actually dovetail in a in a really cool way, right? Like that the, yeah. the the fact of this this fertile land being created by these floods, which led to the ability for migrant workers to be involved with the production of wine, which is much like Western Colorado. I think Eastern mm. Washington is probably a similar climate, right? Like where you don't necessarily expect mm -hmm. wine to be a big thing, but it Turns yeah. out it actually it actually is. I wanted to ask you. I know that this is about the vineros and the, the the rooster tails, but they're part of this larger suite of identities for the for the dust devils. And it's interesting to me because we talked uh, the first time you were on the podcast about the fact that the in the in the the sort of landscape of minor league baseball logos that the dust devils is one that people have commented you know could could use uh, a refresh. You kind mm -hmm. of got that refresh with the Marvel identity, right? Like the Marvel yeah. identity is is a sort of updated version of Dusty, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. But you you have these these two alternate brands plus the Marvel identity that are very highly refined, created by this high end firm in in Brandios, yes, as part of the the larger suite. And then of course you have the original. It's very kitschy. I that's the way I choose yeah. to think of it. It's very it's kitschy, right? Like it's kitschy uh -huh. sort of early minor league baseball yeah. design. 
what is what is the team's perspective on that sort of you know that that relationship between you know going to a high-end design firm to create these alternate brands while sticking with this this earlier brand from a sort of different era of minor league baseball i hope that's a fair way to characterize it I yes, think that, yeah. that's sort of how i think of it 100 and i i again i wouldn't disagree with anything you said and like personally just speaking as eric here i would i would love an update of the dust devils logo i i think the name uh really works well here um yeah. you know uh, but you know logo is over 20 years old now and maybe we could update a little bit and the marvel logo kind of did that but i think you know if brandy Ose or one of these other firms you know updated the, the dusty logo that could even be better and it's it's interesting now because here I am in the front office, so I, I do get some perspective of the business and the workings behind the scenes, you know. Right. And then I and then I have my personal thoughts, and then I here I am part of this great minor league baseball community on social media and podcasts. So anyway, they all kind of converge. Um, I think my understanding is that there is a desire, <laughs> there is a desire to update the Tri City Dust Devils primary brand. I really not just from the outside, but from internally too. There is this desire. Um, and then we came out with the Rooster Tales two years ago. And that just, you know, was a huge success. We sold out almost immediately. We really have to be careful, you know, do we have enough stuff for the locals to buy, you know? Um, and so the focus was on that. And so it, it, it wouldn't make sense to unveil a brand new primary logo mm -hmm. right after this cool alternate, like, selfishly i would love it i want more hats i want more logos yeah <laughs> but like from a business side of things like whoa 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 we just spent all this money and all this effort putting out this really cool alternate brand yeah you know let's let that breathe for a little bit and the same with vinieros and again um we're getting kind of a, a refresh of the vinieros uniform this year so that's kind of uh -huh. the big thing this year all not right. just the hats but the jerseys as well um and then of course as anyone who's into minor league baseball knows this is the year that all 120 teams need to update their stadiums, their ballparks mm. to to meet the new standards from MLB. Yeah. And we're really we're in a great position here in the Tri-Cities because the city of Pasco owns Giza Stadium, mm. um, but they are an amazing partner. And so we're doing it. We are currently a huge construction zone at the ballpark because we are making those updates and we have a great relationship with with um, the city and the construction um, team. So, so anyway, we've got a lot of projects going on right now. And so this idea of updating the primary logo, just financially and business-wise, this might not be the time, you know, sure. but hopefully, hopefully soon. And so yeah. in the meantime, in the meantime, uh, people are digging the rooster tails. They're digging the Vineros. Um, they do have a soft spot in their heart for the classic dust devils. You know, yeah. we're, we're coming up on our 24th year now. And I mean, people in their twenties have not lived in the tri cities without the dust devils, which is a huge, that's amazing. huge thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I hope it's very, very clear that I am not casting aspersions on the brand in any way. I mean, yeah. one of the brands no. that's over your right shoulder there is the Portland sea dogs, which is from oh, roughly yeah. the, roughly the same era created by Guy Gilchrist rather than one of the big firms, right? Yeah. Like, and so that it, was a it, great episode, by the way. I love that. Episode. <laughs> guy, guy Gilchrist is a nice guy and he's done a lot of sort of cool work with like, you know, uh, things outside of baseball, but 
you know, that to me, like it, it's sort of a similar idea, right? Like it's a, it's a different era of minor league baseball branding. There weren't focus groups. There weren't, you know, it was just yeah. like, let's just create a brand for this minor league baseball Do team. It. And I think that that's what the, what the dust devils logo is, right? Like it's got this kitsch value about it. It it's dated, but I think in a good way, but it's, such a contrast to these two other brands that we've yes. been talking about, right? Like, yes. I think that's the sort of bigger question here is just like, you've got this very grandiose Rooster Tails one, this, even within the context of Copa de la Diversión, the Vineros is pretty different, right? Like it's this adorable yeah. cartoon guy instead of some of the, you know, the the more, I don't know, some of the, the there's a sort of aesthetic that you associate with the Copa program, right? Like in right, the Vineros right. brand, I think is a little bit outside that, right? Like it's- yeah at least this current colorway is. So yeah. I just think it's just interesting to me to to sort of ask that question, right? Like is to to look at a team whose alternate brands, you know, probably were a much bigger investment than the current primary brand is, is yeah. sort of an interesting yeah. approach. And not just because I wanted to talk to Eric Martins, but it's one <laughs> of the reasons that I wanted to have you on to, to talk about these two alternate brands because they're such a big- uh, part of of this identity. So thanks. Well, two quick things, and I yeah. know we need to run. But um, first up, here's a and Paul, you visited the Brandios offices, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In San Diego, this is a fun little trivia tidbit. Uh, um, originally, Brandios, who designed the Vineros logo and look as well, they had the hats as like a neon pink, a bright pink. Uh, okay. And so if you ever see photos from the Brandios office where they have the shelves of hats, or if you get to visit, like Paul uh -huh. did, you will see the Vineros hat is a neon pink. Whereas the, the actual on field that I have in my hand right here is like this bright purple. The new era swatch, like color swatch that this actually is, is technically called sparkling grape because we <laughs> wanted a Mer like a Merlot color because most of the wines from the Tri-Cities area are award-winning red wines yeah um so a sparkling grape color so that's just kind of a fun thing yeah about a little tidbit and um the second thing too is i can't remember now so there you go oh. Oops. <laughs> there you go well we got one of two things you know what that means that means that we have the opportunity to revisit in a future episode to learn what that second thing was we'll have i can't another, wait we'll have Part three at some holiday break uh, with yes. Eric Mertens. In the meantime, everyone knows who Eric Mertens is already, but Eric, if you would, where can people find you uh, on social media? Where can people find the Dust Devils? Well, this has been an honor, and um, I love interacting with people online and meeting them in person. So please, yeah, please do connect and reach out. I'm mostly active on Twitter. My handle is at It's Eric Mertens. And Eric is with a K, or you can just search for Eric, the peanut guy. I'm on Instagram where I post a lot about hats <laughs> and baseball travels. And that's Eric, the peanut guy, Eric with a K. I also have a Facebook page for Eric, the peanut guy. And please check out the Dust Devils website. Um, please reach out. We love having last season was so much fun because baseball Palooza swung by the Tri-Cities, but so did many, many other fun people on this online community. So please, please reach out. Well, Eric, please get all your boosters. Yes. Wear, wear a mask. 
Uh-huh. Do, do everything you can because the <laughs> next time we're out there, we need to see Eric Mertens and not have him laid up with the COVID uh, again. <laughs> come hell or high water, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> Eric, I'm proud to call you a friend. Thank you so much for for Thanks. coming on the podcast. I'm grateful that the the first time I was in the Tri Cities, I got to come and throw out a first pitch after dropping my my daughter off at college. That was such an honor to uh, to get to do that. So thank you for that and uh you know so i've i've been uh i've been to pasco twice for games i plan to get to another i will see you then in the meantime let's find a way to meet up on the road in 2024 let's do it i'm proud to call you a friend too paul thank you thanks eric happy new year happy new year Woo! Woo! <laughs> all right everyone welcome back Super excited to invite back to the podcast, to have back on the podcast so graciously, Jason Klein of Brandios. Jason, hello. Yeah, we're here. We did it. Here we, we are. We're doing it. It's, uh, you know, sometimes uh, a struggle to find a time on the calendar that works. And so this is, uh, I, I appreciate you during your busy season, making time for the podcast. That's uh, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, we're talking about, this is an interesting uh, episode because I don't think I've done this before where I just had an episode on alternate identities. Yeah. Uh, Featured the Tri City Dust Devils themselves way back when, uh, early on in the early days of this podcast. But uh, now we're talking about two of their alternate identities that you created, uh, the Vineros and the Rooster Tails. And so, yeah, I'm, just, I'm curious what that process is for you going into just in general creating an alternate identity. How much do you consider the existing brand in in that, or is it just is everyone just a new project? Everyone's a new project. Yeah, okay. we don't we don't consider. I mean, there's sometimes there's limitations that you need to be mindful of when you're doing a new um, alternate brand of the existing identity. Yeah, but yeah, I mean the the idea here is that the existing identity is a story that the community of America whoever has bought into. Right? It's like I get it. Like I'm into it. Right? Um, and any kind of iteration is sort of just like an option. Right? It's like you know, do you want? you know, scrambled eggs or hard boiled eggs, or, you know what I'm saying? Like it just becomes like an iteration. Whereas like, you know, bacon, sausage, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like a whole new thing. And you kind of want, you know, um, you want to think of this as a collection of stories, right? So you have your primary story, but then um, theme nights are this great opportunity to tell different stories of the community that may not be that core story. Um, you know, little known facts, you know, celebrating, um, some sort of, you know, ghost story, if you will, some sort of, um, company or industry that's famous there, some sort of part of their heritage that hasn't been celebrated before. So it's a, it, these theme nights are great because it allows us to celebrate a little known fact about the community, um, and, and make it accessible to more fans, to the, you know, to, a, to the world. It's just a great, great program. So the Veneros are totally fun in this regard because, first of all, this guy is adorable. This character that you created is, is, <laughs> is yeah, adorable. Yeah. But that story that you're telling about that place is uh, is one that I think maybe a lot of people don't know about Eastern Washington, right? So wine country, um, right? Wine country. So where did this, where did the idea to do a, an adorable character come from instead of a like a menacing one or one with like wielding a baseball bat or grimacing or something like that? You, this is a this is a really cute character. Yeah, I mean the the idea was okay. We're going to celebrate wine country uh, in Washington, and I think a lot of it too was the um, you know the heritage of winemaking is 
connected to Latin America, right? Um, Latin American um, vineyards and 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 the idea of winemakers from Latin America and people producing wine in the area with Latin American heritage. So this idea was, okay, like, you know, what if we were the vineros? Um, so celebrate, you know, the Latin American influence in the winemaking business. Um, and then um, doing the character in a way that would be, you know, traditional Mexican style um, artwork, mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of like a retro kind of version of the character. So yeah, it came together like pretty straightforward. One of the things that was unique about it um, was we used a cap color that had never been used before in minor league baseball, which is a very unique color. Um, so it's not exactly grape, but it has this like sort of really fun wine, you know, color, and it's just unique in a way that's never been done before. I actually have to say my avatar on Zoom is me wearing that hat at a Tri-City Dust Devils game. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. Another fun one that, that you all did for the Dust Devils was this Rooster Tails brand. Yeah. And I'm sort of taken back to this one to like what you did with the Yard Goats, where you took a an animal-based term, you know, in the case of the Yard Goats, it was a railroad term, not actually literally a goat yeah with the rooster tails it's you know has to do with the the wake of uh of racing boats not a literal rooster and of course you made literal animals out of both of those and so the rooster tail is a fun one because i think that's a story that really takes some digging to get into like i mean very few people knew what rooster tail was just on its face so that was one that had a lot of storytelling to it yeah, I mean that was I mean obviously when you think of rooster tail um you think rooster. So that that is sort of how we think about this concept which is this idea of you know what is the name? There's sort of two parts to it. You have the name that is the hook, right? Mm -hmm. It's the thing that it 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 opens up um you know the story and gets you to lean in. Yeah. And then the brand is the punchline or the um you know the story specifically so there's this it has to work hand in hand when you're building a brand you need something that is the hook um that gets you to you know want to lean in um if it's too esoteric um you know the general population goes i don't understand i don't know what that quite you know what that is and so i you know i don't want you know or if it's too obvious right it's like oh uh, you know i know what a lion is right uh -huh. It's like, well, then it's like, well, I don't need to see the lion. It's like, wait, did you see the logo? The logo is amazing. They've already, they, you, you've lost them, right? Like, they're like, I know what a lion is. I mean, I don't need to see a lion logo. So it's a sweet spot um, that we've tried to get, which is coming up with a name that gets you to sort of lean in and say like, what is that all about? Um, and then the story, the brand, the logo is that punchline. That's an opportunity to sort of surprise the audiences, right? They think you're going one way you know, you can go, you know, you go a different way. So that being said, you know, the rooster tail is great because when you hear it, you know, you're like, um, what's, you know, rooster tail. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, if, if you understand the the bird part, you know, that, that you could probably understand like, okay, well, that's probably, you know, uh, I mean, an option or, you know, boating. That's also another one. And so, um, thunderboat races, um, they have a huge thunderboat race, uh, up there in the, um, in the area in Washington. And so we thought, oh, you know what? Like, what if we had a rooster, you know, in a Thunderboat doing a rooster tail? And so if you were, you know, a Thunderboat aficionado and you're like, oh man, like I got to get that hat. Well, then we open it up. And then, you know, you want the cap too to be a, um, 
a conversation piece. I mean, that is really, you know, when it boils down to like, what is, you know, whether it's the clink room or whether it's, you know, minor league baseball logos, we're always thinking to ourselves, like, how do we create conversation pieces? You want, you know, you're, you're, you want the cap to open up a conversation about what's on someone's head that leads to a five minute advertisement about whatever that thing is. Um, in this case, the Tri-City Dust Devils. So that's one of those things where we're, when we're, we're building it, we're thinking about how do we create a conversation piece? And that's how we got to, um, you know, the Rooster Tales. Awesome. Well, this one definitely does invite the opportunity for telling stories and having conversations because like I said, I, this was one that I, you know, I, I did not know what that term meant. I have gotten now to speak to Eric Mertens, uh, yeah. Eric, the peanut guy, a couple That's of times uh, about what a rooster tail is and including on this episode. So absolutely, totally a, a fun, fun brand. And, uh, you know, part of the experience for sure. I, I went to a game up there, uh, just, uh, just last year as part of our baseball palooza trip and, uh, the rooster tail stuff, the Vinero stuff, uh, was, was all over the, the, the stadium. And, and I have a, a Vinero's cap. I have a, Dust Devils cap. I've got the Marvel Dust Devils cap, and then I've got the Rooster Tails t-shirt. So I am mm. fully fully branded when it comes to Tri-City Dust Devils stuff. Jason, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I, I know you're busy, so I, I will let you go. I appreciate this, and we'll see you next time on an upcoming episode of Baseball by Design. Talk to you soon. Go find Brandios at brandios.com and at Brandios on all the socials. Welcome back, everybody. This is this is a moment, everyone, here on Studio Simon's Numbers. Dan Simon has shown up wearing a personalized jersey, uniform number 39, with Simon on the back. Sorry, 29, wearing uh, number 29, with uh, Simon on the back, and a sleeve patch that has a baseball diamond with a, with a chicken on it, a rooster on it, and a foghorn, leghorn, almost-ish rooster jersey now can you tell me what this is or is it part of the stumper this could be a whole separate episode of the baseball by design podcast and maybe should be but this goes back to when i decided i wanted to be a a, a sports brand identity professional and i needed to put together a portfolio of of sport d team designs and this is a long, long story. I'm going to give you the elevator pitch version for now, but I think it might be interesting for, for a, a future episode. Um, this was this was a team I, I made up called the Rhode Island Reds. And this is a, a, a logo I did. Now, this is literally 30 plus years ago. So I was not the designer then that I am now. And not only did I design this, but I sourced out this jersey this is before we could just mock things up on the computer we actually had to build these things by hand so i cut all this stuff out of felt and my friend peter thornburg's wife ginger taught both peter and i because we were working together doing this uh putting together this sports design portfolio taught us how to use her sewing machine and i sewed all of this stuff onto the jersey myself so this is my handy, not just design work, but my um, my sewing skills put to work. Well, obviously it's thematic because this episode uh, involves the the rooster tails, but it is 
an amazing uh, wardrobe change that you, you just pulled off here. And I think we're going to have to share images of this. What was it? The what reds? The Rhode Island reds. The Rhode Island reds, which is a kind of uh, chicken or a rooster, I think. A right? type of rooster. And that we'll use that as a segue right into our Studio Simon Stumper. Um, in addition to leghorn roosters and Rhode Island reds, um, there are hundreds of types of roosters. We there's, for instance, the Java rooster. There's a roundhead rooster, um, and there is even one called a frizzle fowl rooster. Well, and more, including <laughs> two of the three in today's studio assignment stumper, which asks which of these is not a type of rooster. Is it a Jersey Giant, B, Plymouth Rock, or C, Carolina Cock. So two of them are real. Two are real. Okay. Two truths. Yeah. No lie. I, I kind of felt like both Plymouth Rock and Carolina Cock could be the lie. Uh, all right. Jersey Jersey Giant. And see, now I feel like that one's the, the made-up one, especially after a recent episode of this podcast delved into the potential, the 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 missed opportunity for the Jersey Rockhoppers to be the Jersey Jackasses based on the type of penguin they had at their zoo. Now I've got Jersey Giants here on the table as well. Being from, I grew up in New Jersey. I yeah. am a Jersey boy. I've mentioned living in Los Angeles, but I'm originally from the New York, New Jersey area. Born in New York, raised in New Jersey. Um, so this is not the first time Jersey has been referenced in one of our questions, uh, one of our stumpers, and nor will it be the last time. <laughs> well, that's good. And you know, I am a frequenter of the Jersey Shore. And so that obviously is going to keep coming up for, for me as well. The only sussing that I can do here is that of the three of these, Plymouth Rock is the only one that is the name of something else already. And I feel like rock is not a kind of rooster. A giant might be a kind of rooster. Cock, obviously, is a kind of rooster. So uh, based on that limited amount of sussing time and effort, I am going to go with the the two real ones are Jersey Giant and Carolina Cock, both alliterative, and Plymouth Rock, which is already the name of something else and doesn't sound like a rooster to me, is the fake one. Well, hmm. though Plymouth Rock rhymes with the correct answer, it is not. <laughs> so Carolina Cock is fake? Yes, there is no <laughs> Carolina Cock. <laughs> But there ought to be. There is to no Carolina with, cock. The two teams that never existed would be a great matchup, the Carolina Cocks against the Jersey Jackasses. I would pay to see that. I, would, <laughs> I don't even know what sport they're playing, and I would pay to see it. Well, um, here's the, the little-known facts that sometimes follow Studio Simon Stumpers. There were several players um, – with nicknames Rooster, most notably Houston Astros third baseman and five-time Gold Glove Award winner Doug Rader, who played during the 60s and 70s. 
Um, also, Red Sox and Angels shortstop and five-time All-Star Rick Burleson, who played during the 70s and 80s. Now, th those, and there's one more which I'll mention, but first let's talk about those two. They were both nicknamed Rooster. Sometimes I've seen that their nicknames as Red Rooster, um, but I remember Doug Rader when he was playing, and I don't remember it being Red Rooster. I remember it being Rooster. So you you have to you have to take everything you read on the internet with a grain of salt. Um, but given that, what do you think both Doug Rader and Rick Burleson and Paul Caputo have in common? <laughs> well, obviously, I think it's going to be the red hair. Yes, it is. And, so that, and, that have you ever has Rooster ever been a nickname attributed to you by anybody? It's never been a no one's ever called me that as a nickname, but it is certainly something that I know that fellow ginger vigils are uh, ascribed with. Okay. Well, somebody who's not a ginger vigil, which is a great word I've never heard before. I'm assuming <laughs> it's a thing, but if you came up with it, kudos to you. Um, current major leaguer Will Myers' nickname is El Gallo, which is, of course, Portuguese for, no, it's not Portuguese, Spanish. Maybe oh, it's Portuguese too. But I believed Spanish, you there. You had me. Spanish for the rooster. And apparently he got that nickname because of his hair style, which mm. was, uh, I would assume, maybe something Rod Stewart-esque, you know, yeah. hair sticking up like a rooster's, uh, what is that thing called on top of a rooster's head? Comb, comb, the rooster's oh, comb. You did it. Okay, so there you have it. That's today's Studio Simon Stumper with all kinds of interesting things that follow. This is why I don't ever try to prepare for these because there's just no telling, you know, what what, what direction this is going to go. Dan, thank you for A, the Stumper, and B, the, the amazing tale of this uh, Rhode Island red jersey that you're wearing. I will share a picture of that when this but when this episode goes up, we'll put a picture of that on on Twitter and Instagram. So thank you again. And Dan, your Instagram is at studio underscore Simon. This has been another fun one. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. See ya, Paul.